you were expecting someone else? This is the Intrepid 007 Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Intrepid 007 Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my last episode, The Books of Bond, where we looked at three books that I've acquired recently that um, directly relate to James Bond, but aren't necessarily part of the canon. Um, those three books, of course, were Omnibus 001, um, the collection of James Bond comic strips from the early 50s and 60s uh, that encompassed many of the Bond novels written by Ian Fleming, but in comic strip form. Uh, Licensed to Cook, the cookbook based and inspired on Ian Fleming uh, the novels, because of course we don't really see Bond eating in the films, but he does take great pleasure in what he eats and drinks in the novels. And lastly, um, the cocktail book Shaken that has come out um, quite recently. And I wanted to go back and revisit that because I find that I didn't necessarily do these three books justice. And there is something to be said about these books um, that may. Um, warrant uh, a little bit of extra attention. So I'm going to start with the last one I just spoke about there, Shaken. Um, Shaken is a book that um, has come out recently, um, probably in the last year or so um, that this was announced, and I believe it was last November where it actually um, came out. Um, so this book is, is first of all, it's beautifully put together. Um, I know you're not looking at it, but I've got it in my hands right now. Um, the lettering on the front and the artwork on the front is all gold embossed, save for um, a red rose. It is the official cocktail book of 007. It is authorized by Ian Fleming Publications. So it is, you know, very, very official. There's a foreword here by um, Fergus Fleming. I'm not sure exactly um, if Fergus relates to Fleming himself, or if it's just a coincidence, there is um, a section at the front, and this is kind of standard with other cocktail books, where this mentions the um, the kind of uh, equipment and essentials that you do need. Um, so the kind of glasses, um, the kind of equipment that you should have, um, some of the techniques, and um, then there's, there's the ingredients. Now, for the ingredients... Um, a lot of these things on the ingredients list are things that you're probably uh, not going to have on hand. Um, some of the stuff you're going to be able to make yourself um, quite easily. Um, the honey syrup is actually quite easy to make. It's honey and water. Um, the sherbets, um, you could probably buy them, the sherbets. Um, basically, a lot of these um, cocktails, as I had said in the last episode, are... A little more complex than, say, a Vesper. A Vesper is a pretty standard kind of cocktail. It doesn't really differentiate much from uh, mixing a standard martini. The only really thing that you're doing different in a Vesper than in a regular dry martini is you're ha you've, you've got two base alcohols. You've got gin and vodka. Whereas a regular martini, you'd be using, well, a regular martini, you'd be using primarily gin and uh, or vodka, depending on your tastes. Uh, I prefer gin. Um, I always make a dry gin martini, and it's the actual, the first cocktail in the book is the dry martini. Um, and it's, it. what's 
what accompanies each of these cocktails is kind of a like a blurb of why this particular cocktail or the alcohols um, in which are contained in this cocktail relate to Bond. And for a dry martini, it's mentioned 58 times in the Bond series alone. So it is something that is quite um, important, I'd say, as a drink. Um, important in the fact that it takes up a lot of room in the books itself. It's something that he drinks often. And it's the easiest one to make uh, because there's there's not much in there. Um, you've got two choices. Then again, uh, there again, it's either vodka or London dry gin. So they're specifi- specifying a London dry gin, which could be, um, of course, Gordon's, if you're familiar with the brand. Beefeater is another one. Um, I am partial to Bombay. Every time I make a martini, it's with Bombay. For my gin tonics, I use a completely different gin. I have several other types of gin um, that I stock. And that's because here in Quebec, we have a lot of micro distilleries who provide us with a variety of different gins from a variety of different places with a variety of different flavor profiles. Um, There are some that are more herbed. Um, There is one that's well known uh, for containing mushroom. Um, There's another one that's very citrus uh, oriented. There's uh, one that's actually more uh, parsnip based. So we've got a lot of variety um, in that sense. So there is a lot of different varietals you can use for, for different purposes. And a gin tonic is meant to be more aromatic than, um, than a dry martini. So, I mean, to basically go back to the dry martini and the dry martini is the one that you can have the most variance with. So you can have basically what they're saying here is, um, two and a half ounces of vodka or London dry gin, uh, three quarters of an ounce of dry vermouth. Um, now it depends on what your styles are. I have dry, when I get dry vermouth, I, I normally just get the martini brand, but I'll also substitute in Lille Blanc, uh, in there quite often. So I always have either a bottle of martini or a bottle of Lille Blanc on hand. And, um, of course, Lille being the brand that's used in Casino Royale, it's not necessarily Kina Lille, and we'll get to that a little bit later in the book. Um, but Lille Blanc is what's available right now from the company as a dry vermouth move. Bond usually garnishes his martinis with a lemon twist. Easy way to make this into a dirty martini is to add olives and a little bit of the olive brine. Um, it's the favorite of Lea Sedu, uh, playing Madeline Swan in Spectre. So um, that's an easy way to attain that. Um, it's also the favorite of my wife. Um, when we look at the first time he has a dry martini or when he's experimenting with it, it's how he develops the Vesper. Um, so he gets very specific with the ingredients and that kind of is the theme for the rest of the book because we get very, very specific with the ingredients. The next, uh, cocktail, and I'm not going to go through all these cocktails one by one, but I'm just going to kind of, you know, um, explore the, um, explore the the different types of cocktails and how they start to get a little more complicated or fancy. So if we're talking about the Pussy Galore uh, cocktail, this is two and one quarter fluid ounces of Hudson Four grain or other bourbon. Um, Hudson Four grain being a specific bourbon that's suggested probably because of its flavor profile. Um, it Not all bourbons are created equal. Not all bourbons are alike. So um, this is what's also going to be different between different kinds of gins. Not all all gins are made alike. Um, they're also talking here about a generous three quarters of an ounce of Martini Reserva Reserva Speciale Robino, 
or other red vermouth. So if you have the standard red martini vermouth, um, that could work as well. A teaspoon of white creme de menthe, all depending on what you have on hand. Um, I would always have green creme de menthe on hand, but I don't really drink that, so I don't know if I even have any. Um, one teaspoon of branca manta. I have no idea what that is. Uh, two dashes of orange bitters and two dashes of angostura bitters and a strip of orange peel. So angostura, angostura probably pronouncing that wrong, bitters, um, is a bitters that's popular um, for a lot of cocktails. I believe it's one of the bitters that we would use in a Manhattan. Um, so you see that with all the... Um, all the cocktails. So first for Pussy Galore, um, they talk about who Pussy Galore is. So we get all the information of, you know, what she's done, what her background is. And then um, on the next page is after the recipe for the cocktail on the photo. Um, they basically give you some more information um, in regards to the book, some quotes um, and, you know, other interesting information regarding the character. So from there we go into other cocktails. Um, Spectre is the name of a cocktail. Um, there's one here called True Blood, and it relates to Doctor No. Um, talking about uh, Mary True Blood, who, if I'm not mistaken, was the secretary for Strangways. Uh, yes, exactly. Here we go. Uh, who was the head of Jamaica Station? Um, also his number two. So again, there, if you look at that one, um, Nika whiskey from the barrel, which is a Japanese whiskey, probably not going to have that on hand. But uh, again, comes in the Martini Reserva Special Rubino, um, cherries, creme de cassis, Campari. Uh, Campari is probably something that a lot of Bond fans will have on hand if they make Sazeracs um, often enough. Um, the whiskey sour is one of those standard cocktails that if you've got scotch on hand um, and uh, eggs, you're a Bond fan, uh, an Ian Fleming fan, you've probably got both those on hand. Um, a lot of other different interesting cocktails in here. But what I really like about it is you have the name of the cocktail. So say we're going with uh, one that I've just picked here at random, the uh, Ouroboros. Um, so you've got that, and then you've got kind of a, um, a little bit of an introduction um, coming from the novels. So when this one is Ian Fleming liked to weave weird and wonderful creatures into his novels to set the scene for exotic locations or as instruments of death. Ouroboros is an ancient symbol of a serpent eating its own tail, which represent the cyclic nature of the universe. It was used as the name of the worm and bait factory where Felix Leiter is mauled by a shark in Live and Let Die. The Ouroboros cocktail draws on the great worm of mythology with mezcal, a spirit associated with the famous agave worm, although few bottles now contain it. The pungent mix of Blanco tequila, smoky mezcal, and full-proof triple sec is cooled by cucumber syrup and rounded off with aromatic orange bitters. If you are feeling brave, garnish with edible dried mealworms or buffalo worms. They have a flavor somewhat akin to pistachio nuts. So then it goes into telling you exactly how to make this cocktail. So Ocho Blanco tequila or another 100% agave tequila, um, mezcal, cointreau, uh, cucumber syrup, which they give you the recipe for. So you have to juice the cucumber and add sugar to make a syrup. Um, dried mealworms or buffalo worms. Uh, of course, they're safe for consumption. I've actually recently had mealworms 
um, at an event at our local aquarium. It is not bad, but not necessarily something that I am going to say that I would suggest you go out and try. It kind of has the same texture and taste as um, the little bits of unpopped kernels you get in popcorn that get stuck in your teeth. So um, that's probably the best way that I can describe it and probably not something that I would um, necessarily suggest you adding to things. So overall, um, this book is a good addition to any Bond fans collection. It is, like I said, some of them are a little more complex in terms of the uh, cocktails themselves. There are some ingredients that you might not necessarily have on hand. And the ones you do are the easiest cocktails to make. And they're pretty much the standard ones that you would get in any, you know, little black cocktail book. Um so is it worth it? Yes, it's absolutely worth it. It's a gorgeous book. Um, just looking at it looks good on the bookshelf. It's fun to take out. The pictures are, are great. The little blurbs accompanying the cocktails are wonderful. Is it practical? No, it's not a practical cocktail book. Don't expect this to be your new go-to guide for cocktails. This is a fancy cocktail book. This is something that you're going to pick maybe two or three cocktails for an evening at home, and you're going to make these for friends, and you're all going to talk about it, and it's going to be a great evening. That's basically what my intention for this book is going to be. Maybe I'll pair it with License to Cook and cook something from the Bond universe and make a whole Bond theme out of it. I probably will. It sounds like something that I would do. Um, how does it compare to other Bond cocktail books? Because, of course, there are other Bond cocktail books. Uh, one that springs to mind is uh, David Lee's uh, 007 on the Rocks. That is the book that he's self-published, um, and he's updated with each new film uh, to include different cocktails. Um, I think the latest edition, I'm not sure if he redid one for Spectre or not. I know that the latest edition that I had on hand was the Skyfall one. Um, but that book is the one that you're going to want if you want to drink like Bond in the books exactly as he, as he does it. So that is going to give you the exact ingredients of how it was done then uh, and the exact ingredients of how you can recreate, you know, simple and um, um, classic cocktails. So for your Sazeracs, for your um, things like that, those are ones that you're going to be able to, to make from that. Um, now, when I was talking before about the Vesper, of course, the Vesper is a classic cocktail and it shows up in that book. The big debate or the big thing that has come out recently is recreating the original Kinalile flavor because Kinalile has not been made in the same way since 1986, where it, before that it had contained high amounts of quinine. Um, quinine being the ingredient that is mainly found in tonic water. Um, it's a natural remedy against malaria. Probably why Bond has quinine in everything in the Fleming novels. And one of those things, of course, is the quinine shampoo, the eau de quinine um, elixir shampoo that was made by... Um, oh, I'm blanking on this because I have a bottle of the hair tonic upstairs. Um, Ed Pinot uh, makes the made the elixir shampoo, which was had a high quinine base. So again, I'm probably going to butcher some words here, but instead of the um, 
Kinilile because the Kinilile is obviously no longer available. Um, here in the Vesper in the book, what they suggest and what a lot of people have suggested is to replace the um, the um, Kinilile altogether or the vermouth altogether with uh, two teaspoons of Kochi Americano, which is a type of bitters, if I'm not mistaken, um, that has a high quinine content as well. So that it kind of substitutes what used to be. Um, what they also suggest here is Ian Fleming gin. So there is an Ian Fleming edition gin that's a premium gin. Um, you can hear as they suggest or other premium gin. And three quarters of an ounce of Russian vodka. So it's two and a quarter and three and a, uh, three quarters of an ounce. So that's your three parts gin, one part vodka, and a half a measure of Kine Lille shaken over ice and served in a deep champagne goblet and uh, with a slice of lemon peel. I butchered that possibly just a little bit as well, but um, no matter. So in regards to that, I mean, you know, Coach Americano was something that you should probably pick up uh, as replacement bitters. What I've also seen and heard people do is uh, a mix of Lille Blanc, which is available now, and um, adding their own type of bitters or, or creating a mix of their own. I know that David Zritsky has done it, and I know that um, one other person in the Bond influencer community has done it as well. I believe someone actually had a recipe for it that was a little more precise. Um, so basically taking a premium vodka and steeping it um, with um, the bark of the Chinchoa tree or Chinchoa tree or uh, anyway, I'm butchering that as well. I don't know how to pronounce the word, uh, but the um, basically what we've got with that is we would get a liqueur that would be used as a bitters um, to be able to replicate the taste of Kinalile. Um, so that's basically it for for that. That's some good tips that are in there in that book. Like I said, it's a gorgeous book. I got my copy from uh, the UK, so it's from octopus books that I got via Amazon. So it's a first edition hardcover. Very, very pleased with the book. Um, if they make another one, I will buy the second one. Um, I will buy a third one. These are, are great books. It's great to have in the collection. And it's something that you don't necessarily have to keep hidden away in your bond collection. It's something that you can keep in your bar and people are going to be interested in looking at. That's it for this episode. I know that in the previous episode, I was kind of short on this particular book, but I want to go back to those three books and expand a little bit on them. So here is, uh, this is, was the first episode getting into the Shaken book. Next episode, I will be talking more in depth about License to Cook. Until then, thank you. And thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Intrepid 007 Podcast. Please, if you're not already doing so, follow us on Instagram at 007 underscore Intrepid. I'm also on WordPress. You can see my blog there at intrepid007.wordpress.com. Of course, you're listening to this podcast. You're obviously listening to us either on SoundCloud or via iTunes or Spotify. Tune in next time. The Intrepid 007 podcast will return. <laughs>